Hi, and welcome to the Dying Task Podcast, coming to you from Palisades Tahoe Ski Resort in beautiful Olympic Valley, California. It's the greater Lake Tahoe area, for those of you who are not based in Northern California like I am. And I'm actually working here for a couple of weeks. I'm working on hosting our Olympic Zone show, which is a daily recap of all the Olympic news that's going on, and then some really cool behind-the-scenes stories of some of our Northern California athletes. And then, of course, every day we have our 21-day challenge tip. So this is our challenge to get out and focus on your health for 21 days using the Olympics as your inspiration. And so every night I show you a different health tip from an Olympian, an Olympic alum, or somebody who's really close with the Olympic movement. And that's been a lot of fun. So today I started my day actually out with the ski patrol here at Palisades Tahoe because we're profiling one of their members who's actually over in Beijing. His name is Bruce Welton. And uh, Bruce is over in Beijing, and his job has been to teach the Chinese ski patrol basically how to do their jobs because their mountain has just been created for the Olympics. So, you know, the idea, China will be having this incredible, you know, ski industry post-Olympics with the Olympics really kicking it off, which is not an unusual thing. That's happened in a number of places that have hosted Olympics. But Bruce is over there kind of showing people what to do, you know, and, and what to do on the mountain. And then once the Olympics started, he actually got to segue into doing his normal job, which is just ski patrol. And he's already been doing rescues off the downhill course, which is you know, unfortunate, but critical. So it's kind of cool. So Bruce is going to be our guest today. So on this Dying to Ask, Bruce Welton is going to talk about how he got this un- very unusual job, super prestigious too, over in China, the lengths he's had to go to to actually do this job. He has been there since November. Like before Thanksgiving, he was over there training the patrollers on how to do the job. So he's been there for months. And when he got there, he had to go into a 21-day quarantine, 21 days in a very small, not so nice hotel room by himself to prove that he was COVID free. And that was what really intrigued me. So that's actually going to be the the gist of what we talk about today is how do you get through with that? Because I think I'd make it to like day three, cry uncle and it'd be like, put me on a plane back home. (laughs) Bruce did not. In fact, he um, had a really specific plan going into it and it has to do with his ski patrol experience. So he's gonna explain to you why Being able to change your routine on the dime, no matter what's going on in your life, is critical to keeping forward momentum. So Bruce Welton is my guest today on Dying to Ask. Olympians, the best of the best. It takes world-class conditioning to reach this level with mental toughness that is just as rare. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick and I have covered the last 11 Olympics. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life. Hey Bruce, it's really nice to get to connect with you. Where are you right now? Thank you. It's great to connect with you as well. I am currently in Yangqing, uh, about an hour and a half north of Beijing, the home of the National Alpine Ski Center for the 2022 Winter Olympics. Nice. And are you in a hotel room, I'm assuming? I am. Yes, I'm at the the Crown Plaza here in town. It's a beautiful five-star local resort. I try to consider it my, uh, my 500 bedroom house. So it's a fun way to to look at living in a hotel for three and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have to be in a hotel for three and a half months, a five-star one definitely seems like the way to go, I would think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
How did you happen to get this job? I mean, basically you, you're a ski patroller um, out of Palisades Tahoe in the Tahoe area. And you had this opportunity that came your way to go be a part of the Olympic process, but it's a really unusual job that you're on right now. Yeah, it really is. I'm super fortunate for the opportunity to come my way. Uh, they always say life's about who you know, and this is a prime example of that. Uh, I have a great friend back in, in Tahoe, Tari is her name. Um, she's been working in the ski industry for quite a long time and has made lots of great connections. And, and one of those connections is a gentleman by the name of Ed Gassman, who's been responsible for selecting the international patrol teams for the last five Olympics or so. And uh, through a conversation one day, um, Kari told me about Ed starting to do his work and simply said, if you're interested, here's this contact. And, and of course, when somebody says, here's an opportunity to go to the Olympics, you, uh, you do something about it. Sure. So I reached out, I reached out to Ed and um, we started a, a, honestly, a pretty brief interview process. Um, he just wanted to, of course, make sure I was qualified and I knew what I was getting myself into. <laughs> probably, probably the latter part was the most important part of that conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then six months later, I found myself on an airplane headed to Beijing. So, here so we are. for people, for people who maybe don't know a lot about skiing who are listening to this podcast, can you explain what an international patroller does and what even what a ski patrol person does? Yeah. So whether they're local or international, we're all here for the same reason, which is just to provide medical rescue and response to any injured athlete or personnel on the mountain. Um, initially, people think, you know, we're going to respond to skier injuries, and that's 100% true. But the part that they may uh, may forget about is all the other folks involved, you know, whether it's a coach, media personnel, or just a spectator. There's quite a few people around, and any of them could sustain any sort of injury on any given day. So we're there mm -hmm. to we're there to, of course, respond, uh, assess the patient properly, and um, and evac however need be. So, what's your background? How'd you get into that? Wow, well, I started ski patrolling almost twelve years ago, back in uh, Killington, Vermont. Um, take a step back even uh, beyond that. Uh, when I was very young, my father was a ski patroller. Yeah. And it was, it was something that I always was tuned into, was aware of it, um, but didn't know a ton about in, until I really was maybe in college or so, I would say. Um, I realized that there's an awesome career out there that um, allows me to spend time on the mountain that I love and help people out. That's uh, certainly the the most enjoyable and rewarding part of it. And so the need to have patrollers is, I mean, kind of obvious at the Olympics, obviously you have people who are up skiing, but the job that you went out to do really early, cause you've been in China since November is to train the Chinese patrollers and help them fine tune their skills. Yeah, that's right. So this crew has been working together for the past three seasons in preparation for this event. But truth is they don't have much real emergency response. So they've been running through scenario and practice drill 
you know, on a daily basis, but um, as far as responding to a, a real emergency, they've only had that opportunity a couple of times. So, but isn't that again, because that, like they haven't had a resort? I mean, isn't this whole place brand new? <laughs> also, also. <laughs> what, what was there true. to respond to before? Yeah. So from my understanding is from the very beginning, they had this team on site for construction personnel, management, um, anybody that was on the property that may sustain any sort of injury. Um, so these, these folks are medically trained, of course, and um, just because there's not skiers doesn't mean there won't be folks getting hurt. So they, they were on site, again, as I mentioned, for, for could be a construction worker or a delivery man or Mm-hmm. or isn't it, a member but of the isn't management. It, isn't it a little different on snow, though, when you do have athletes and, and you know, the regular person out there? Yeah, I would say absolutely. The uh, the transportation and evac of, a, of an injured skier is quite a bit different, um, utilizing a toboggan or, or as, as far as even a helicopter, but uh, taking care of a person, determining what's wrong with them and then taking care of them appropriately. I think really remains the same. Yeah. So going out there, um, you know, you had, you were out there, like I mentioned, you know, by mid November and it's going into China for the Olympics is not exactly what one would call easy, (laughs) (laughs) not at all. So you get out there and by the time you, you, you've actually, you know, set foot in China, you were expected to do a three week quarantine. So everybody basically just got put up instantly into this quarantine in a hotel. That's right. Instantly is, is exactly right. We were, uh, <laughs> even from the second we got off the plane, it was uh, a very strict, uh, I would go as far as saying unusual process in the airport and then being put on a bus and you know, we were essentially shipped off, if you will, to our uh, quarantine hotel. And uh, we spent the next 21 days at that hotel. Um, had meals delivered three times a day. And beyond that, there was, uh, there was no leaving the room. Wow. So they, what they is that? What is that like for three? I mean, what is that like for three weeks? There was definitely a period around the, uh, say 15th or 16th day that it, it definitely, um, it definitely challenges you. It definitely can mess with your head a little bit. Um, the, the isolation is, um, is unlike anything that I've personally have, have been through. Um, luckily, luckily we're able to stay in touch with friends and family back home. So uh, that helped ease, ease the whole thing. Um, looking back on it now, probably not quite as bad as, as anyone would imagine, um, but uh, I would certainly say it's all worth it. Oh yeah. What did you do to kind of um, keep yourself together during that time? Uh, before the, the quarantine had even started, I was, it was suggested to me to try to maintain a routine. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, had read that in, in one of the many COVID articles that's out there and suggested that, um, if you, if you maintain routine, you find yourself, um, in a better place mentally. So I wake up and try to start my day with, a a little bit of exercise. I found myself doing some yoga, although that's not a not something I practice on a regular basis at home. 
it certainly became part of my daily life in quarantine. Um, and then just moving on with the day as normally as you can, you, taking a shower, reaching out to friends. Um, I enjoy writing a bit, so I found myself doing uh, a lot of that and, uh, and uh, trying, to, uh, trying to get used to the food. That's great. A little different than maybe what you're accustomed to. Yes, to say the least. Uh, there's a lot of interesting, different foods. Uh, some of it was quite good. Some of it, not as much. But yeah. um, and honestly, some of it, I wasn't even sure what it was at times. Um, but since then, it, uh, our food has as our accommodation has gotten better, so has our food. Um, so the, the quality um, speaks for itself, but I've also gotten used to it. Yeah, well, and, you know, and that's probably a big part of it too. That's always a big part of, of working in another country is, you know, you do get used to things pretty quickly and things start to become kind of normal after a while yeah. once you do it for a while, because it's that routine like you were talking about. What's yeah, been absolutely. the most surprising thing about this adventure for you? Ooh, you know, as, as much as we are in a different country, surprisingly, it's, it's not a whole lot different than home. I mean, yes, there's a different language. Yes, there's different food. But looking around at the town is like any other town, shops and restaurants and people going about their daily life. And, and the ski area, yes, it was custom built for the Olympics, but people are out skiing. And, um, so I would say the surprising thing was how similar it is. It's, um, you know, we're all, we're all, none of us are too different. And this is, is proof of that. Because there are a lot of people I think who might've heard like what would be involved in this trip or this assignment and might've said, you know, that's just a bit much. <laughs> I'm, good, I'm good to do the training. I'm good to do the traveling, but I don't know about the quarantine. And that's a really long time. And like you went in like feet first. What, what made mm -hmm. you so motivated to be willing to do that? Well, anytime you get the opportunity to travel, especially to somewhere as unique as China for an opportunity that's as unique as the Olympics, I think anybody needs to grab it. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it certainly has come with some challenges. Being away from home for four months isn't something that comes easily. But, um, you know, as cliche as it is, you only live once. And when these opportunities come around, I feel like you got to take them. It may not be for everybody, but where I am in my life and, and, and ski patrolling is something that I love to do and the opportunity to share it with, with folks halfway around the world seemed like a no-brainer. That said, you're doing it in a pandemic. <laughs> so what, how also is, true. what's, yeah, what's that part of it been like? You know, you hear a lot about what China's going to do to make the, the Olympics work. And you hear a lot about mm -hmm. like closed loop systems and, and the, the way that they'll be able to really identify who's where to try to keep people healthy. What have you seen that, that gives you some confidence in that? So it's pretty clear from the get-go that the local authorities, local management team has done an outstanding job of trying to prevent any spread of COVID. Um, as you mentioned, we have the closed loop system, um, locally referred to as um, different bubbles, uh, different groups of people. And those are based on 
the department you work in, who may be living in your hotel, just the amount of time you spend with certain people. Of course, the folks that you spend more time with are going to be in your bubble and others not. Um, but then you take that concept up to the mountain and they've gone as far as saying, you know, only bubble A can ride this chairlift from 10 till noon. And then from noon till two, it'll be bubble C and, and so on and so forth. Um, so pretty pretty extensive detailed measures. Uh, there's different maps around the property that say, uh, maybe there's a, a local media company that's working on the property. And since they're local, of course, they haven't quarantined. Um, but if they're in the cafeteria uh, from 11 to one, then all other personnel needs to stay away from the area. Which makes sense, but the the detail involved in it is is at a very high level. Yeah, can you imagine being the the guy or the woman who's got to figure that stuff out? It sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's above my pay grade, and mine as well. Mine as well. <laughs> so you know, you'll be working with the patrollers, helping them, you know, fine tune their their skills, you know, for the next month. Once the Olympic starts, then what do you do? Yeah, so our focus will remain on the medical response for, again, the athletes and all other personnel on the mountain. Um, it'll be a little more detailed and regimented at, at that point. Um, scattered across the mountain, there's 25 different medical stations. And not to say that they all need manned at the same time, but based on um, training courses or race courses that are being utilized, of course, those medical stations will then need to be manned. Um, so there'll be a uh, a schedule put out from the our uh, management team or our leadership um, that says who's working where at what time and then we'll uh we will uh quickly respond to any any emergency from the appropriate place so it seems like um without having the friends and the family there for the american athletes being able to see a familiar face from home will be that much more important when they perhaps run into you, whether it's on the mountain, hopefully it's not you responding to something in an emergency, but you know, just, <laughs> I just mean like just casually seeing somebody on the mountain. Um, it seems like that would be really nice for some of our team USA athletes to be able to see some friendly faces from home. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, going as far as to say that representing the country might be a giant step, but, uh, no, I think you pretty much are like, cause not <laughs> no. many other people are going to be there. So you're no, going to be there's, there's, there's several of us. So, um, that's a lot of, a lot of weight on my shoulders. I don't know if I can handle that, but <laughs> yeah, to your point, I think so. I would like to, I would like to think it's, um, maybe a little comforting perhaps. Um, I know from myself, just the, uh, the thought of some other, folks from back home coming over here in, in 10 days is, is a little comforting. Um, it's, an, it's a fine line and an interesting balance between spending time with the, with the locals and immersing yourself in the, in the culture and, and picking up a little bit of the language and then also having the, the comfort of what you know back home. So. Yeah, that's the beauty of travel though, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the beauty of saying yes to an opportunity like this. Oh, for sure. 
Sure. Well, it sounds like an incredible adventure and you still got a lot left in it. So thanks so much for, for sharing some of this. It sounds absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it really has been. Um, it's certainly fascinating. It's certainly a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm beyond thrilled to, uh, to have the experience. I'm super thankful for the, the people that have provided it and the people that have supported me through it. So keep an eye out for Bruce during all the skiing and snowboarding events. He will be out on the mountain. That is going to be his job during the duration of the Olympics. And then eventually, Bruce, you got to leave China and come on back to Northern California. We have been having so much fun doing our KCRA challenge. So if you're doing the 21-day challenge with us, don't forget, we would love to see your progress. Post your pictures on social media and use the hashtag KCRA challenge, and we'll be sharing some of those photos on some upcoming shows. And don't forget to catch our Olympic Zone show every day at 4.30 on KCRA. And what else? What else? What else? Oh, podcast. Yeah, if you have a minute and you could leave us a rating or review. I'm not looking for a gold medal, just five stars, which is kind of like, I guess, the gold medal of podcasting ratings, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment and reviewing or rating the show wherever you're listening to us right now, I would love it. It definitely helps the show grow. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Dying to Ask.